It's the Friendly Fire Show, episode 159 for the end of August 2019. No, nope, not 2019. It's 2020, the hell year. Uh, and we are recording this before any Gamescom stuff. So that's next time. I'm one of your hosts, Steve from Survivor. I am Ben from Survivor, the other host of this show. And it's a shame. Guest we were going to, no we had another special guest. We we're going to be at Gamescom potentially. So oh. we've had, we're going to be at E3, and then that plan got changed. And then we thought maybe we'll go to Gamescom. And that got, that didn't even get anywhere actually, but yeah. <laughs> Did you even think one. that? Did you think we were going anywhere th- for the rest of this year? No. Well, I guess we... you're like Mr. Adelaide. I get to go outside. Ooh. We briefly talked God. about it be- like a long time ago when we thought we might, before COVID, we thought, because friend of the show, Tana was going to come with us, but oh, that was a true. long time ago. There is nothing. There is only COVID. <laughs> yep. Our, Victoria's stuff's getting better, but we're still, there's, there's no end to lockdown. Mm. And if there's no vaccine, I don't really want to go outside the house. So there you go. Well, we don't have time to talk about how cooked Victoria is because you oh, God, have no. been playing a lot of games in the last... It's been about two and a half weeks. We're a bit bit behind, but yeah, you've been a busy boy. Kill me. Just absolutely kill me. Um, let's start, because you've put it on the sheet first, with the Surface mm. Book 3, which... Because there's a whole bunch of games coming out, I'm like, now nah, you know what? I'm going to get two Surface Books and I'm going to benchmark those alongside my old Surface Book 2, just mm. for kicks. Um, and because it was so long ago, two weeks or so, I forget everything. But the TLDR is that the Surface Book 3 is obviously, what, like two, maybe three years uh, beyond the Surface Book 2. So it obviously has a lot better... Uh, specs in terms of gpu cpu ram it has double the ram Ooh. of the the top end surface book 2 so uh, as you'd expect it plays games better um which is nice because there's been a lot to play i benchmarked it against games that had benchmarks though so uh the likes of the tomb raider series there's a benchmark in forza horizon 4 there's a benchmark in gears tactics uh, and I, there isn't a benchmark in, in uh, Destiny 2, but I play that a bunch. So I was kind of just eyeballing and getting an average of um, frame rates and the like. And I guess the, the bottom line is that with any Surface Book, you're not going to get um, the, the pinnacle of gaming, but it's not really meant as a gaming laptop. It's meant to do a lot of stuff. And my Surface Book 2 was amazing. I took it to many any three and it was starting to show its age only because we were getting like 4k capture and it was starting to fall over with that type of thing. Um, but the book three can do 4k just fine. It can't play games in 4k really. Um, the screen size is the, the biggest issue, but um, it, it does uh, 1080 gaming quite well. And even the surface book two does that to some extent. And I guess that's a good segue to you because ben you are now in possession of the surface book 2 that i used to have have you given Mm. it a shot yet and i have been a lot it hasn't been a lot of time but yes i'm now i'm a pc gamer now steve i've got me a surface book 2 as opposed (laughs) to just a mac so uh while it is not going to play everything by any means well just on like low settings maybe or medium not on well so I tried a couple of things. So you're like your Halo, your Forza Horizon 4, they all work pretty well. Uh, Flight Simulator gives you a, your PC is not powerful enough warning. Oh, potato. <laughs> it does work though. You just have to play on low at like 900p and it works. Uh, so 
it's playable. The only thing is, and I suppose we'll just move into Flight Simulator, yep. is uh, so like the, the training missions, for example, they're like land on runway 21. You can't see that 21 on low end 900p because it hasn't loaded in yet. And when you do land on the runway, you can tell long gray blur is the runway. When you land in, the, the rest of the runway hasn't loaded in yet, so it's loading in with you as you land. Now, so the game is playable, but I don't think this is the experience you and everyone raving about it has had. Well, n- no. Um, though, it's, it's one of those ones where you can't just... It's, it's, it's spectacular. Make, make no mistake about it. Especially for me, like the whole thing I wrote, it, was, it wasn't even a review. It was just basically like, I miss my hometown. I can't go to Canada. Here's my love letter to Canada. But I got to fly over not only Saskatoon, which Ben, you have been there and mm. you might not know it as, as intimately as I do, but like you can fly over downtown Saskatoon, the city of 250,000 people. So like a blip on the radar. And it looks like Saskatoon and you can turn on snow and you can turn on rain and you can make it summertime and you can do all this cool stuff. And it was just very, very pleasant. And then I flew over my sister's um, hometown or not hometown, her current town or not even because she's moved, but where she used to live, it's a place called Turtleford, literally a, a town of 500 people. And I could see where her house was and I could see where the bar was and where like the school is and the hockey rink. And that's literally, that's, everything that's in that town and then I haven't seen her new place she moved into a town like 10 minutes down the road but I right now could jump in a plane and fly 10 minutes down well not down the road but you know what I mean and I sent her a picture I'm like this is your new town right she's like yeah I'm like well which house is here she's like oh it's that one like she could point out her house Mm. and I could point out my house in Saskatoon and I can point out my house in in Melbourne, I could see the giant monolithic tower that was an accidental typo for some reason in Faulkner. Like it's just, it's really nice. And I think it's a technological achievement in that it's streaming all this like real, not real time map data, but streaming map data and real time air traffic and real time weather in this way that especially right now with COVID like opens up the world to you where you wouldn't have that you wouldn't have anything resembling that. So I think it, it gets yeah. a big a, a big boost because of the situation that we're in, but it's also like actually very cool. And I'm sorry that you are seeing like the, the <laughs> NES the version gist. of it basically. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is hopefully it comes to series X relatively soon. I'm thinking it might be that maybe November next year, but hopefully it could be earlier because there are heaps of, um, I mean, having to tinker down on low end and trying to move, like maybe I could move clouds to medium I can actually, that worked, no made the difference. But there's so many options to tweak that they've already done all this prep work for optimizing it for so many different types of PC that how much, okay, so with a console, you're expecting it just to work. There should, there should be no, I need to set anything myself. It should already be optimized. So there is some work there, but yep. they've already done so much that I, hopefully it can't take that long. I can't see how this could run on an Xbox One though. I think that's oh, their problem. No, I don't think so either. And like control wise, I think, because yeah. um, I know Gears Tactics is coming out on, Xbox Series X and it's an RTS game that would greatly benefit people playing with a mouse and keyboard and yeah. I'm pretty sure that you can just plug in a mouse and keyboard and have it work so yeah you can and and with um, flight sim you basically need a controller and a mouse and a keyboard I found like yeah. it's easier to yeah, fly with the controller but there's so many things to do if you want to put down your like landing gear or 
do flaps or do like you, you need kind of the three things in front of you. And as long as you yeah. can plug in the mouse and keyboard into an Xbox series X and have the controller in play, I, I can't imagine it would be that difficult. And I can't imagine they won't put that out soon, especially since the thing that we'll get into with the news where we need yeah. like a, a Microsoft killer app in place of, something that's not coming out. I don't know why I'm being so like sketchy about it. We'll get there later. <laughs> well, considering how popular it's been and how much of a, not a console system seller, but the talk of, of PC component system seller, they're estimating billions of dollars are going to be spent on PC components to play this game. It wouldn't surprise me if they, when they launched it, they sold an Xbox wireless keyboard and mouse. that just said, Hey, this connect to your series X. It's really easy. Uh, yeah just to promote this is how you should play. Cause I agree with you. I think you need both. You at least need to you can maybe get away without the mouse, but you need the keyboard and the, the controller. Uh, but they're going to have to have a digital interface for people who don't do that. They're going to have to have a way that you can only play with the controller and that might hold them up because as you say, mm-hmm. how do you like put flaps down to 10, like on a controller you don't, you know, you've got so many function keys that they can deal with that. So, well, yeah. I'll tell you what, Ben, this is an audio medium, but I mm. we're looking at each other via Zoom. So I'm just going to like pan my camera over to this giant set of boxes right there. Like yep. it's literally gigantic. It's bigger that than is your couch. A Thrustmaster. Yeah, it's as Ooh. tall as the couch is high. Um, a box with a, a Thrustmaster rudder, a like a yoke and thingy and a throttle. And I looked all these things up and Microsoft sent like about $1,500 worth of flight equipment that I used one time and went, I get this, but like, Mm. this is, this is too much for me. I just, I'm not doing this. Um, And it takes up so much. I don't know what to do with it. Like, I don't think I can sell it. I think that's a bit dodge, but like, I can't give it away. I don't think, I don't know. And I'm not going to send it to you because you have a potato computer. So that's not going to, that's not going to work out. So I I just have like half my office taken up by boxes Mm. right now. You know, the same thing happened to me with Project Cars 1, I think, (laughs) or maybe 2. I got this like thousand dollar racing wheel, which in my tiny apartment on a high street, I could not even fit in there basically. So I I did give it away in the end because I just, I needed space. But I can't even give it away right now because I can't yeah, actually like COVID see someone times. to give it anyway. Yeah. First world problems. Mm. Um, hopefully, did you try Battletoads on your uh, on your laptop or did you just no, play that I on the Xbox? I played that on Xbox One X because I can play in 4K. So. Did you hate it as much as I hated it? Uh, here's the thing. It's not a great game. <laughs> I, I do think there is, but I've kind of enjoyed it a little bit, if that makes sense. I think... Uh, you played it in the worst possible way. You play, you crunch played it to review it. Yep. How I've had some level of enjoyment is I play literally one stage, like 10 minutes at a time, quit, go back to it the next day. So it's going to take me ages to finish it, but that's the amount that I can tolerate and think this is not too bad, but then I've had enough. How so, far have you gotten without I'm giving away stage, too much people? I'm in stage two, act two. Act two. Okay. Are you into like the weird bit where it starts to get like weird and just like random mini games or just like the entire Uh, experience at that point? I'm starting to ramp up with a lot of mini games. Well, that happens. Hmm. Um, I played it single player, but I played it uh, in co-op with Matt for the first couple levels and quite literally playing the speeder bike level with two people is impossible because you start out with different toads and it seems to just kind of be random. Like, I, mm. I, unless you like load in and say, I want to be the sunglasses one. 
which they call him. And I think that's hilarious. Like some, like the humor is hilarious, but like, I want to be the sunglasses one, or I want to be the big tanky brown colored one, which is fine. But then if someone dies, when you're playing two people, that person then gets to take on the third unused toad. And then there's a countdown timer. Like if you manage to survive long enough, you get the third toad back. And then whoever dies becomes that toad. So if you're playing two people in this very tight corridor bike level and you're trying to keep track of who you are but like that changes yeah it becomes a nightmare and also just like the amount of stuff on the screen and you zipping around like it's hard to keep track of who you are and then if you if the three of your lives are exhausted and you respawn but you don't like restart the level and get to go through like the toad chooser it spawns you in as different toads so you're already confused about which one you actually are on the screen and then someone hits a wall and then like it just it becomes such a chaotic mess you don't you don't want to keep playing so it's easier to play in single player i think it's a little bit more manageable and more digestible in single player if you try playing with a second person in some of those games it's just a ugh. it's tough yeah i think where i mean it looks really good but we're seeing why there wasn't a battletoads game for so long or no one wasn't had, really like marketed. No one, yeah. Well, no one really knew what to do with it. And I think we're seeing like, you know, you mentioned the mini games. It's kind of a system where they just had said, here's 10 different gameplay ideas. Let's mash them all together. Mm-hmm. And there's your three hour game. So I think there's some enjoyment there. I do think you were right in that if this was a game you had to go out and buy, no way would anyone do that. But it's one of those quirky, it's in Game Pass. So you've got nothing to lose. Maybe you'll enjoy some of it. Uh, I know a lot of people really did like it. Now, I didn't quite get that, but some people who, you know, there's obviously a, an audience there who is into this. I think probably they played on super hard. They're those Dark Souls types who love the punishment. Yep. I'm playing on easy because I just want to get through this game as quick as possible. Uh, but yeah, so if, if I don't finish it, I don't really mind. It's a, and that's a classic Game Pass game. It's yeah, a, well, I played on normal it. and you have infinite lives on that level. You, you certainly do on easy. I don't know if you mm. do on super hard, but like, there's there's some sections i think later on where like i i have no hope in hell of ever finishing unless i just die until it's like do you want to be invulnerable for this section i'm like oh hell yes i do <laughs> get through it and then the good part about that is that you're like you're not invulnerable for the rest of the level even you're just invulnerable for the section that it deems that section and then you go back to like having to play again but there are some bits like it's the vertical um, like whole bits where you got to like time this jump so you like weave through holes or else you hit a spike and you know like get a hit point taken off like it's not a chance in hell that I would ever do that mm. so there's some good things about it like I think the humor is quite good I think the animation style is amazing I think they've given all these toads unique characteristics where if like this was a cartoon I would watch it and the weirdness of the narrative would lend itself to a cartoon, but it's a video game. So I'm just like, well, that, why, why is this happening? Why is this going on? This makes no sense. That's why is that put in there? So maybe I was just being too hard, but like you said, like we had a couple days to do it and that's, I didn't like it. Yeah. Something you did like and something I'm very excited to play next month, I think is mafia one definitive edition. This one actually being definitive because of course, Mafia 2 Definitive Edition and 3 Definitive Edition are not definitive at all. They're just... Coat of Paint. <laughs> Mafia 3 Coat of Paint Edition. And Mafia, Mafia 3, 3 was garbage. And I've never played a Mafia. And mm. I thought it was you that reviewed it, but I lied. It was... Um, I think you were telling me about it because I think you'd ended up playing it. 
or maybe I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, I definitely played three. But Jay reviewed it, and and I read his review, and I'm like, I I trust you guys. If you don't like something, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't like that because of that. So I just steered well clear. Um, Mafia Definitive Edition is amazing, and I've never had any experience with it. And I played through, I, we had like, I think three hours of preview, but also like, I don't want to play three hours of a game to write a preview and you can only capture an hour. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to play the first hour. Like if that doesn't make an impression with me, that's its yeah. fault. Um, loved it. Like wanted to play the whole thing, but I'm like, no, because it's coming out soon. Why would I play three hours of it when in like half a month, I have to play through that three hours again and then finish the rest. I'm just going to stop because I'm really excited and I'm going to play through the whole thing as soon as I can. Um, slick, polished, amazing. Um, it introduces you to the character of uh, Tommy Angelo. Angelo, his name's Tommy for sure. Um, and he starts off as a cabbie who kind of just like happens to come across some mobsters and then he gets like brought into this entire like mafioso family. And the story, the characters, like everything about it is super compelling. It looks like it's a Francis Ford Coppola film. Like it's just, it's lit perfectly. The cinema, cinematics are spectacular. And I'm like, well, this mafia game must've been really good. Like, I, I can't believe I missed it. And then I went and looked on YouTube and like watched the cinematics and stuff. And it just looks stupid. The dialogue yeah, it's a is garbage. Game. Like it's just, it's not, it's like, oh, I'm going to go over here now. Ho, 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 ho. And the cutscene. it's like, you don't need to do that. I get it. Yeah. Um, so like leaps and bounds, everything about this is so much better than the like 30 minutes of the original mafia that I watched. I guess it's easiest to compare it to kind of like a Grand Theft Auto game, but without the attitude of a grand theft auto game like it's similar mechanics in yeah. the way that you would work um and probably the biggest criticism i had is that like the cinematics make the the car that tommy's driving look like it's dipping and dodging and weaving and then you take control of it it handles like a tank but i guess like an old car would handle like a tank so i think it's more of a cinematic problem than a mechanic problem um and then you go on foot and you beat people up with a bat and guns and stuff like it's it's standard i guess game stuff but it looked really cool and it's compelling and i want to figure out what happens to this dude i'm very excited to play it i haven't played the first one either so mafia 2 is great uh backwards compatible on xbox one or you can play the shitty definitive edition which is somehow worse uh mafia 3 you you just called mafia definitive edition slick polished and amazing i would say that's the opposite of what mafia 3 was at launch basically it was super broken and there was an article only, or maybe it was last year, um, somewhere like The Verge where they did a deep dive into what happened to Mafia 3. And it was a big, the developers had all these great ideas and the top level management just kept telling them, no, you need to do more dodgy stuff, which is why everything's so gated because they wanted you to be able to go wherever you want. And in the end they said, no, you've got to put in more goons to stop people going here. And they just, basically the, the top people killed it. And they made them make a terrible game in the end, but it was the super top glitchy. take two people. Then obviously, yeah, the, the executives. Because yeah. this is Hangar Thirteen did Mafia Three, and yeah. they've taken on the franchise at that point, and they've you know they've done the definitive Mafia Two, which is you know like they upres some textures, but this is like from the ground up a rebuild, and that's why I wasn't really like keen on it. I'm like, eh, it's Hangar Thirteen, they're kind of garbage, but this is yeah. smick. I think it's, it wasn't the developers' fault necessarily why Three turned out so poor. Uh, from what I know, Mafia 1 went pretty much under the radar at the time because it was coming out from Take-Two, obviously also in Rockstar. 
And at the same time, GTA 3 came out, more or less the same time. It was within a few months. So it just killed it, really. So it was always that kind of, oh, yeah, there's this cool Mafia game in the background from the same publisher with a different label because it had 2K on it instead of Rockstar. Yep. Same thing. Uh, and it just, it never got that traction, really. So I'm glad that they're giving that, that no, we had a good one. We made a bad one, but we had a good one. And they're, <laughs> they're going back to it. So this is like an EA with uh, Battlefield, whatever it was, and Titanfall, where Titanfall was amazing, but it kind of got like pushed under yeah, the rug because of the so. big new hot things there. But yeah, it's, it's a good time for it. There's not a lot coming out this year. So it's the it's got this little slot in September now where I'm definitely going to play it. It's top of my list, actually, the, of games yeah. I know coming out in the next two months. So. Oh, it's super good. We put up the, the first 45 minutes so you can give it a you can give it a look to see how it looks. You can check out the characters. Um, I, I just hit the um, the mafioso, the Don Salieri family. And there's like the arrogant dude. There's like the Don who's like, eh, like the he's doing kind of pulling his best. The voice actor's pulling his best. Uh, God, what's his name? Like the Godfather actor. Godfather. Oh, my God. You know, that guy, that guy, yeah. pulling his best, that guy impression. Um, uh, Marlon Brando. And, thank you. And like, you go into the garage, you go up to like, first you go to the armory and there's like this kind of like, he's not super old, but he's like an older guy. He's like, hey, he gives you any trouble. Like, tell me, I'll like cock him upside the head for you. Here's a Gatling gun. It's like, oh, you're brilliant. And then you go into the garage and there's like this stuttering guy who like, you just feel so bad for because he seems like the nicest guy and like everybody just like hangs crap on him and like, I'll be your friend, dude. When I become part of this mafia, I'll be your friend. I got your back. Like it's there's like actually compelling characters and you meet them for like two minutes at a time, if that. Yeah. And the whole story, it's, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, well, Mafia 2 was actually quite linear. So I think a lot of people, like you made the GTA comparison, but it, it really pushes you story-wise and it's chapter-based. So if it's similar to that, it's a lot more story-focused than other open-world games like this. Yeah, and something like in, in uh, the car stuff wasn't for me. And it's weird. Like, the game starts out with, like, a good solid 20, 30 minutes of, like, drive a car around. It's like, oh, good, thanks. But at the start, you can also say, like, I don't want to drive for any longer than I have to. Okay. <laughs> so you can, like, get through a little bit of, like, a narrative kind of, like, exposition-laden conversation. And then, like, a little tooltip pops up that says, like, finish drive. And you're like, yes click down on the d-pad take me to where i'm supposed to go so i'm i'm a fan of that kind of stuff but if you like driving there's like free roam and all this other stuff that you can do so sounds good mm. um i want to talk about control next because it's this weird situation where the embargo hasn't passed when we record but i might just wait to put this up until the embargo has passed but also i think this is indicative of like the entire expansion um it's out <laughs> like by accident maybe it's maybe not supposed to be maybe is um is so, it out or is it out on playstation no it's out on xbox i oh, i have okay. uh paid 22 dollars 95 cents and it's i've gotten through the half of the first mission just to make sure um so it's it's supposed to be out well i don't know if it's supposed to be out it's supposed to be on the 27th but you know when you're in australia that's mostly means the 28th mm. um the embargo is the 28th of, of august at 11 a.m for australia but it's like what seven o'clock p.m. when this came out on the day before. So I like I don't know. Um, so I will talk generally. I won't say too much about it in case. Explain they to get me what this off. is because as much as I love Control, you know that I hate DLC. I always never get oh, into it. Ben, so you need to play this. Yes. <laughs> so the Control AWE DLC might stand for AWE Altered World Event, or it might stand for 
Alan Wake experience. And since I have played the entire thing, I can definitively tell you that it could stand for both in equal measures. Um, so it is, as um, Sam Lake said in like a blog post, so this isn't embargo laden. Um, this is the start of the actual Remedy connected universe where they are weaving in Alan. Well, they already did really with Control, but they are like properly weaving in Alan Wake into Control. And who knows, maybe Quantum Break fits in there too. Uh, there's a team at Remedy called vanguard that's making something that seems to be part of this as well like there's a, all the stuff that i'm going to write about tomorrow morning probably ahead of the embargo which by the time we wake up tomorrow might be long past in everybody else's mind but whatever um it starts you you open up the mission and you you know how you had the hotline where you were like walking through the the bureau and you'd see like trench kind of like superimposed over you like giving some exposition yep it's alan wake that does that straight from the get-go in this so if you love 2010's alan wake and you should and if you don't hopefully it's because you haven't played it and then you should because you love it um it's it's fully alan wake you play trying to find alan wake and i won't tell you if you succeed or not um but it's amazing but uh the only thing that i think i don't like about the dlc is that it seems like it's been affected by covid um the foundation DLC that came out was very, very good, but it was its own kind of thing. This one is good in that it has a lot of elements of Alan Wake, like shining a light on the darkness to dissipate it. Um, and also like some really old school control things that didn't make it into any other DLC. Like you can go into those weird little bunkers that were kind of like littered throughout the, the bureau. Um, you get missions from Otti the janitor to go and like talk to plants and stuff like you, like all these little like quirks about control that made it so unique and amazing are in this as well. Um, but then they've kind of like thrown in this like horde based mode that seems like Ugh. they just needed some more content, like put that in. Um, and as amazing as the Alan Wake stuff is, I kind of feel like because they had to develop this, separated from one another and it probably put a strain on you know like if they had to film stuff they couldn't like as a, as an example that's not going to ruin too much um like the threshold kids um little like videos that you could stumble upon where they did like puppets and it was like it was a pretty big production like they're not they're they don't exist in this and i feel like that's because it would be too hard to get a whole bunch of people from remedy in the same room to to actually make it if that made sense um, so it's super good, but I feel like if this wasn't COVID time, this would have been like twice the expansion that it is, though it's still really, really, really good. And I'm very, very excited about what comes next from Remedy. And it sounds like it's going to be another game and I won't say anything else about it, but like, <sighs> so excited. Well, you almost sold me on playing it, but of course... <laughs> If you I could just go to Survivor and read all the stuff I write about it. In if like I would have twelve hours, if I were to play it now, I couldn't play it on Series X because my normal pleb early adopter edition of Control will not be moved over to next gen for well, reasons it, we don't understand. It takes you about five hours to finish, I think, so you don't need to wait till Xbox Series X to play it. Yeah, those reasons make zero sense. Um, but like if there's any game that you should ever buy twice, it is control in my mind. So I'm happy to throw them more money so I can play it with ray tracing on uh, Xbox series X and like to not to defend remedy, but I will. Um, 
when you think of like a game like NBA 2K and it's like, oh, pay 10 bucks because it's so much better on next gen. Like, I don't necessarily believe that. Where a game like Control, there's no ray tracing. And I don't know how it works like properly, but there's no ray tracing in the Xbox One and PS4 versions. And there is on PC. And playing on PC, it's like night and day amazing looking. And if it's too hard to do that, upgrading it or if like remedy needs to get people on there to to do it i would happily give them money to do so because i can see the difference where like in a basketball game i don't think that's going to be as apparent um so i am defending them and i kind of hate the, the practice of making you spend more money for a next gen upgrade but like i can almost give them a pass if that makes sense yeah well they're all shitty in my mind <laughs> i think I would have accepted it if they said, hey, if you buy the DLC, you get an automatic upgrade to the Ultimate Edition, therefore you have the next-gen version. The fact that they say, if you buy the DLC, you have everything on the Ultimate Edition, you don't get it because you, did, you didn't wait to buy it. You bought it when we wanted you to buy it. You didn't wait. So I think, you know, I think it's just shitty to people who bought the game early, but anyhow. Yeah, well, uh, a new PC guy, I've played Control on my... Oh, on your <laughs> Surface Book 2. Uh, it's on Steam. The Steam version is the entire gamut and it has the ray tracing and stuff. So just consider that just saying. And you've played one more game, which oh is God, I'm still going to have to talk about <laughs> games, okay. which is not out since uh, for the rest of us. So it's just you, this one yet again. Oh yeah. And the embargo is 2am on Friday. So this podcast is definitely going up Friday morning. Cause I am actually beholden to this embargo. Tell me why. Did you say, tell me why? I didn't say what it was, but you can Ain't tell me why I should play Tell Me Why. Tell me wh- oh, sorry. Um, it is not a Backstreet Boys game, as much as I would love for that to, to have happened. Uh, this game was announced at X019 in London. Uh, it's Don't Nod, the people behind Tell... No, that's... Well, they are behind Tell Me Why, but they're also behind Life is Strange and Life is Strange 2. Uh, they, the big, I guess, marketing thing with this one is that... Uh, published by Microsoft and Xbox Game Studios, they and Don't Nod consulted with GLAAD uh, because one of the protagonists in the game is a transgender male and they wanted to get GLAAD to make sure that they were representing this character uh, in an authentic, proper, inoffensive, optimistic way. Mm. That made, yeah, I got there in the end. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Let's cycle back to, I think most people would have played Life is Strange if you'd played anything. Life is Strange 2 probably had less of an audience, maybe. Yeah, Life um, is Strange 2 was better, though, in my opinion. I like Life is Strange 1 more. Oh. But anyhow, let, let's not get bogged down in that. Uh, <laughs> Gameplay-wise, what are we talking? Are we talking a very similar thing, or are they doing something different here? S- similar. Um, I think I likened it more to uh, the tie-in for Life is Strange 2, which was the Adventures of Captain Spirit. Um, so you play as, as twins, uh, Allison and Tyler Ronan. Allison is the naturally female. I don't know if that's even the right thing to say. I'm going to leave it in. And if I'm ignorant, I'm very sorry. <laughs> Tyler is the transgender male of the twins. And Allison is just Allison. They're both themselves. And that is absolutely fine. Um, you uh, start playing as they come together after a 10-year absence. And they go and look at this um, really traumatic family or yeah family experience in their in their past um that caused them to split for 10 years um 
and they realize that it's not actually as they thought it was. And then that's, that's the, that's how I'll put that. Um, so like in life is strange, either one or two, um, you're walking around, you're observing things, you are kind of like solving some puzzles by picking up a thing and making it work with this or talking with people to get them to do something that lets you do something else with someone else, that type of thing. So the gameplay is very similar, um, but it's less, I guess it's, it's not really relying on any timing or any Twitch based um, reactions. It's just kind of like letting you take in the world and think about what you want to do and how you want to react. And there's not like timers that are ticking down being like, decide you can, you know, like mull something over for as long as you want, which is very, very cool. Um, there's not a lot of locations. There's not a lot of like side characters, but because of that, they really get to explore the locations and the people that you interact with. It's, it's in a small town called Delos crossing in Alaska. So like, it kind of makes sense. It's not like, you're trapped within like three rooms in Seattle or something. You're like in a small town in Alaska. So there's not a lot to do. Um, and it just really lets you go at your own pace. So if you wanted to just breeze through and, you know, like hit the objectives, you can, but, and that's kind of how my husband started playing, but I, you know, like exploring, like finding all the collectibles and stuff. So um, took me about 10 hours and super, super enjoyable. So that, that, I, I kind of like started answering my own yeah, question before there. I answered your own question and shut up. But So the other thing these games are known for is being episodic. And in the case, especially of Life is Strange 2, uh, the gap between the episodes is way too long. I kind of mm. forgot what I was doing. I, I actually really like the episodic style because it's a good chunk to play. And then you kind of come back, but they were too long between them. In this yeah. case, you're getting the whole game, right? Yeah, which is good and bad because like it's 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 done. I've played the whole thing. There's three chapters. Um, they're coming out over three weeks, which is at least the yeah. the gap between episodes is not long. And Microsoft and Don't Not have said that the gap was there to let you finish and then discuss before you moved on. But that like really relies on everybody smashing the episode on the Friday that comes out to like have a discussion to get ready for the next one. So like I don't think like we all engage in like binge watching of a show or something in very different schedules. Like, I don't think that quite works. So because it's all done, I think it would have just been better off being released as one big hit. Yep. Um, but like, it's not bad. Like it's, it has those arcs of like an episodic thing. So it, it, you know, climb suspense rises climax. And then there's like this giant cliffhanger for the next one. Um, but you're almost better off. Like if you're so engaged in the story, like I was like, just picking it up again and i think the the way that they end a chapter you could still have like a full game and have that kind of point where someone yeah. realizes like okay that's like that's the big thing for for now i'm gonna take a break and i play these three chapters like over three days and i think if this was one game i still probably would have taken the breaks where they were just because it's so much and you need to kind of just like have a decompress but like i think people who, especially who play games, like we all play games. Like, I think, you know, when to do that yourself, you don't need someone to kind of like tell you to do it. If that makes yeah. sense. Well, please do write in if you're listening to this and you don't play games. Uh, <laughs> I think it's probably a bit of a trial. Uh, they, this is very much the Netflix model of, they don't have to release their shows uh, episodics. They release most of them all together, but there's the odd show where they still go with the, no, we're going traditional. There's just yeah. some which they still decide either the network who makes it wants to do it like that or they want to do it like that 
So I think it's probably just that it's not a common way for games to go, but let's just see what happens. If you want, well, you can wait for the whole thing. It's only going to be three weeks to wait. So, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I keep cutting off. Yeah, that, that's what I expect. <laughs> if that wasn't so true, I would be offended. Um, I, th- I think normally with a Don't Nod game, though, like they aren't ready to release the next episode for a long time. Mm. And that was their model was like that because of the way that their studio was set up and because of the resources they had. And that's how they had to do things. Whereas this one was actually done. So I'm just not sure why that model was still placed upon the game if it didn't apply, if that makes sense. So it's weird. I want to ask about it. Like, was this, was this something that you just had to do because you don't know it and that's how your other games come out? Or was it because you actually wanted there to be impact and you're probably not going to tell me if, that's the marketing line and, and you think differently, but like that line of questioning. I think previously it was that they didn't have the funds to fund five episodes. So they sold you at the start and they were still working on it and paying for it. Uh, not here, but I think they're just trying it as an episodic thing. Let's yeah. see. Will people play week by week? They'll, they'll look at the stats. They'll say, will people play week by week or are people going to play the whole thing in six months? And that will determine future games. So for sure. Good test. I think it's, if, if you have people around you that will spoil things that play it immediately, just play it so you don't get ruined. But if you can wait until all three are out, it, you're probably better off doing that. So you can just like take it all in as, as you'd like. Um, I really, really liked it. It's, it's getting a very high score from us. Not that I can talk about, Oh, it's, uh, I'm going to do this tomorrow. I gave it a 10. Screw it. Um, and I gave it a 10 because it encourages exploration. It has a really strong narrative and something that's really important to me, especially in the wake of things like the last of us part two, like it has strong representation without putting the minorities as pawns and it doesn't pat itself on the back for putting these minorities out there as well. Like it's not like, Ooh, representation. And for as much as the marketing makes it about like, this guy's a transgender dude. And Oh my God. um, That falls to the wayside actually fairly quickly. And there's just so many, characters and situations and themes that it, it's obviously there but there's so much more it's just a really nice package in my opinion so yay for good storytelling i will can't wait to see that 10 out of 10 on the billboard so <laughs> that's exactly why i did it oh that's my god what i thought yeah uh, we're gonna Please have to talk smash. about all the news and i'm just <laughs> gonna be quiet oh my god i'm gonna let you have a you can have a drink after that that was quite a lot you must be parched yeah. We're going to have to smash through this because we have gone on a double episode length. Uh, and because we were, we were away for so long, we missed the big news. So we're going to have to recap briefly. I realize when people are listening to this, it's going to be post Gamescom or fake game, whatever this is. Virtual we'll get Gamescom. to that later. So we're behind that. We're still two and a half weeks ago when the bombshell <laughs> dropped that Halo Infinite is delayed. It is not launching with the Xbox Series X. And then there was a weird rumor that it was going to be cancelled on Xbox One and pushed back to 2022 so that Xbox would get away with that because, of course, I said for the first year at least, everything will be cross-gen. And then Xbox came out and basically said, no, no, it's an Xbox One game. So we don't really know what to expect. Um, based and then on- they brought back Joseph Staten, who was the writer of like the first four <laughs> Halo games, to be like, he will fix it. Well, if you need to get a writer to fix, well, mm. he's not there as a writer, but he's there as a producer. But if you need to get like the guy who wrote the first four Halo games to fix your Halo game when it's supposed to come out in 2021, you're in trouble in my mind. But anyway, sorry. Yeah, well, the, the feedback wasn't strong and it seems like internally at Xbox, they 
I don't know how they missed it. They must have, if it was just a, if it was just a, it doesn't look that good. That's one thing, but it sounds like the whole thing is bit, like not right or it's not ready at least. So uh, I feel the, bad for three for three yeah. because they put like Halo four out and it was really good, but it had shitty multiplayer. And then Halo five had amazing multiplayer, but it was just like weird, not Halo where it was like co-op and like you got downed, you didn't die. And like, that's not Halo. And then they stuffed up the Master Chief collection because it was like unplayable at launch and now like Infinite's screwed up and someone pointed out I can't remember who I think it was on like an IGN podcast because I like run now Ben because I'm in co- a lockdown and I have an hour to go outside like someone meant someone pointed out and rightfully so that 3 for 3 has had Halo nearly as long as Bungie had Halo Ooh. and Bungie did amazing and 343 is basically just like tanking it yeah, and it's kind of it's scary. We just got through Halo Three Legendary a couple of weeks back, and still a great game. I just played Reach for the first time, and I liked it so much. I played it again on 360 on Xbox One, of course, for it's the so achievements. Good. Uh, and I I've forgotten how much better Bungie is. So three four three haven't made a good game yet. To be perfectly honest, They've, I liked four, not the multiplayer. I liked the campaign. It was, yeah, it was not bad, but it just it wasn't that triple a top level that we expect from something like this it was like someone else coming in and making an uncharted which is okay but it's not an uncharted you know yeah so that's yeah that's where they're at the bigger but then problem... you have the coalition sorry you have the coalition who comes in and just like takes over gears and it's fine and it's better probably than some of the gears have been like i really yeah. like four and five was amazing so anyway don't know the, the bigger problem for xbox is they've lost their big game and to be perfectly honest the PS5 doesn't really have a system seller either. It's got a spin-off Spider-Man, which is probably better than anything exclusive Xbox has, but it's, it's not a reason to buy a console. Uh, and that's it. So they need some more stuff too. Um, but Xbox had put so much faith. They were saying for ages, this is going to be a launch title for our new platform. And for it not to be there, they just... And especially because there's no Forza there, which is normally there. Hey, look how pretty it is. Look how powerful our console is. I don't have that. So they, there's a big gap, bigger than they've ever had before. And it's a problem, which they're kind of saying, oh, but you can play a thousand old games. And yes, and they're we going have. to play great. They're going to play well. They're going to play much better than on your Xbox One. That's, I think, a genuine reason, reason to buy a Series X at launch, but it's not why people will. They need that new game to play on it. So, Well, and if Microsoft is, like their whole marketing campaign has been like, if you don't want to upgrade right now, don't worry because Halo's mm. coming out and you can play it on your old one, your new one, or this one that we haven't mentioned yet, but is totally a thing. It's called the Xbox Series S, but shh, don't worry about it. We haven't talked oh, about it phone. yet. Uh, yeah, well, we could sound like fools because maybe at Gamescom, they're going to say, here's a Series S and here's some game which is slotting in that gap. Well, this is before that, so it's fine. But like, yeah. if, if they're saying, don't worry about upgrading because you can play on your Xbox, but there's not a game that you can play on your new one or your old one, why would you get a new one? Like... I, I get the appeal of getting an Xbox Series X straight off the, like straight out of the gate is is somewhat less now. But like to the same point, do I want to buy a five hundred six hundred dollar PS five to play a five hour Spider Man game? Like, mm. anyhow, we'll see what happens. Uh, something that was actually announced finally: Batman without Batman, because yeah. in Gotham Knights he's dead. That's fine. So, you're happy you get too much of the spotlight anyway. 
it's a, a it's a twist for I think casual Batman fans. So you are heavily invested into the lore. You know everything that's going on there. I think the average Batman player is probably less aware of the other characters. So you're playing as Nightwing, Robin, Batgirl, and Red Hood. Yeah, it's got them all. That was a test. You nailed yeah. it. <laughs> uh, it. I mean, we only saw a brief trailer. We got the. Yeah, they really focused on the first two minutes of the four-minute trailer was Batman's dead. Did we tell you? Batman's dead. Look, he's dead. Uh, here <laughs> he he is, recorded Bruce. those videos that you record when you think you're going to die and then you send it to people after you're dead. Exactly. So for a dead man, he's in the trailer an awful lot. Uh, but yeah, it looks pretty cool. Did you watch the gameplay video? Uh, I watched a little bit of it. Um, so key points. Uh, you can play as any four. You can switch at any time, which is cool. Uh, there's drop-in, drop-out, two-player co-op, which I think is ace. Um, and things that people don't like is if you go to, like, an area and look at, like, a thug standing on the streets of Gotham, he'll have, like, a little 10 over his head, which lets you know that he's level 10, and you're level 10, too, probably, so you should beat him up. And there's that kind of leveling thing, which mm, is good or bad, before. on you. Yeah. I'm keen for it. I think I think it's great. I think they needed to call it Batman Gotham Knights, even though Batman's theoretically not in it. And they mm, we'll um, see about that. Tease the Court of Owls, which I don't know if you know a lot about, but the Court of Owls no. storyline is freaking awesome, and it has huge implications for one of the four main characters that are in Gotham Knights. And I really hope they do something with it because, like, the storyline revolves around one of them. Um, in like a crazy way which is really cool and if they're going to call it gotham knights and have the court of owls like it needs to happen um it is not a continuation of the batman arkham series and i'm fine with that i think they kind of milked that one to its point um and by the end of like arkham knight there there were so many weird like enemy types that you had to like think of like oh like which three button combination do i need to mash to get this one where i could just hit the the normal thug like i'm fine with that being done should we talk about Suicide Squad? Sure. Uh, it is a continuation of the Batman Arkham series. It's a rock steady game and you play as the Suicide Squad. We saw a CG trailer. It comes out in 2022 and I have no idea what to expect from gameplay because the CG trailer shows you nothing resembling it. I think it is bold. So uh, Gotham Knights was 2021. Uh, Suicide Squad was 22. I think it's quite bold to be saying in these COVID times that he's even putting a year on something. <laughs> but this Who game's knows? been in development theoretically unless they like can something else and and greenlit this for like seven years at rocksteady yeah that's that's a problem that's never strong <laughs> uh, not that they've had a long time to refine it no it's definitely a problem well I whenever like something it. comes out after nine years you're getting a duke nukem 3d like just something garbage or duke yeah. nukem forever that's what i'm thinking of uh <laughs> Anyway, we'll, we'll see. These are, these are ages away, these yeah, games. Yeah, we know nothing, so we can move on. That's it. We can move on to a game which is out this year, which we've known about for ages because it was announced by Doritos, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War, which is how many buzzwords can we fit in our title? Oh, my God. By the time you write that, you have no room for like the rest of your title for SEO. It's, it's criminal, yeah. Ben. It's criminal. So Treyarch is back. They have been working on Black Ops, I've just realized, for... Uh, 12 years because the first uh, World at War was not a Black Ops game officially, but it was. It was that era and it led into Black Ops 1, so technically it's part of it. And they've just never left, so they've, they're just sticking with it. Um, hey, there's zombies in this one, so if you can do something, ooh, you just keep doing it. Well, 
we we know a couple of things. We know that Warzone from uh, Modern Warfare is staying, so they're not rebooting their Battle Royale this year, which it makes a lot of sense because now it's free to play. Having a new one every year would be stupid. So they're just incorporating Black Ops stuff in that, which is smart. We also kind of know about the next-gen upgrade, but it's so confusing that I c- couldn't tell you how it works. All I know is that they've said, you know what, we're not doing a, a nice developer. We're going the full 2K route and just screwing everyone. It's really complicated. Basically, I have the pricing that I've, I haven't updated the story. Quickly. You need to pay more to get a copy, which gives you both generations is the gist. It's 10 bucks Australian, yeah. just like the 2K thing. Uh, it's 99.95 for the standard edition, which is just on old gen, current gen. Mm-hmm. Uh, 110 for the digital next gen edition, which will give you a copy on both current and next gen. And then there's like a digital ultimate, which is like 150 bucks Australian. But if you read the FAQ, it's some nonsense where if you buy the physical disc, you can get an upgrade easily on PS5, which makes no sense. <laughs> uh, like to the digital version, you just have to pay or something. And then the Xbox Series X, you can't just get that upgrade. You need, it said like, we'll be in touch with more information. So they haven't figured that yeah. out. That's why Activision has sent me the digital version yeah. pricing. If, so, you, if you want an upgrade, buy the digital one and just let it go. If, if you buy the disc, the Series X uh, game case will say Xbox One, Xbox Series X on it. But that's only because it's backwards compatible. It's not clear how you get that upgrade. No, I think I was... See, this is the confusion because I thought I read that FAQ and it said that the Xbox version had a Xbox One disc and an Xbox Series X disc in it. Oh, did it? See, that's the thing. Like, if you need if you need this giant FAQ where like we're confused about what's going on for one damn game, there is a problem. Why would it need two different discs? Because the whole thing of smart delivery is you put in one and it will give you the but best. But it's not version. smart delivery because you're paying money for it. Smart delivery is free. Yeah. So, so this is literally they're giving you two copies of the game because if you put in your Xbox One disc into an Xbox Series X, it'll play the backwards compatible version. That's why. Okay. This is this why is, the FAQ is so damn big. <laughs> this is the most Activision thing ever. They Ugh. just could not accept that 2K was being the baddest guy so far. They had to go even worse than them. Uh, and EA is looking like a pretty good guy at the moment, which is astonishing. Because oh, they, as much as they have some ludicrous, you buy Madden or FIFA or whatever, and you've got three months to upgrade, and after that you don't get the free upgrade, at least they're offering it. So, and they're so nice, they won't even put out a next-gen version of NHL because they don't want to make you confused. They'll no, just put out a current gen. Exactly. Well, it's much better than this. Well, uh, wait till they yeah. charge you like twice for Anthem now that, they've, like, now that they're still trying to fix Anthem. They're just going to charge you for like, the game again a second time. And, no, like, now it's the new and improved version, I swear. That will pay you to take it. Yeah, probably. Well, anyway, we'll Garbage. move off that because it's just, yeah, hopefully it's a good game. Because it's had a really, actually, we will say quickly, it's had a really troubled development. So mm. it could be hot garbage because obviously Black Ops 4 didn't even have a campaign because they didn't have time to make one, which is ridiculous because it's one of the main pillars of the COD series. Um, and then Sledgehammer is meant to make the game this year. But by all yeah. reports, what they were making was so bad, Activision cancelled it and said, just go help uh, Treyarch on the next Black Ops, which was meant to come out in 21. That was before COVID happened. It was meant to come yeah. out then. They said, go help then. They're coming out a year earlier. So, so they've this, been used to a three-year cycle for so long and they've yeah. had a two-year cycle and COVID. Two-year cycle and COVID and new consoles. So they need to make a cross-gen game, basically. Uh, the last cross-gen card <laughs> was Ghosts and it was the worst. So 
Uh, look, I mean, good luck to you, Treyarch, but it's just, it's kind of a three strikes and you're out situation here. I, I don't know. Cause modern but warfare zombies, is great. Ben, so zombies. Everyone loves zombies. Not that well. Well, I yeah, don't we'll get see. zombies. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, what we may or may not get is a new switch in 2021. There's, Another rumor, this rumor has been going on for ages. It's been going on for about three years that Nintendo is going to do a Pro Switch or a Switch X or a new Switch or a whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, the, but, before we get into that, like really quickly, we didn't cover this initially because VGC, which is one of those outlets that just like puts up all these rumors and sometimes they get it right and most times they get it wrong. Like they're the ones who led with the uh, Halo Infinite's not coming out on Xbox One. And I'm like, get real. Like Microsoft can't afford to do that like they're just it doesn't matter if that's true they're, they're not going to let that happen um and they launched this for this new wave of 4k switch but then bloomberg also spoke to sources so like if bloomberg talks to people it's a little bit more legit anyway continue um, like you talk ben i just cut you yeah. up again and i'm like oh, i'll just keep talking sorry you just love listening back to yourself and that's a good point steve when you're on your run listen to your, your <laughs> Damn, own comments guy's back. smart who is that oh that's me <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so the rumor is it's coming out the first quarter, I think, next year, something like that, March, April, which would give us four years after the original Switch. For reference, the PS4 Pro came out, when did that come out? 2016. So three years after the PS3 and the Xbox One X came out th- four years after the Xbox One. So they're in that same ballpark for a, it's time for a refresh. Um, Nintendo has always refreshed their handhelds. So we got... They'd never really used them that well besides the Game Boy Color. Uh, but we've got like the new 3DS, which had like two games on it and didn't really do much else. You got like the GBA um, SP, so just a new model of that, the DSi, all that stuff. So it's very common. It's not unexpected. The question is, will it be considerably more powerful, which is not something they've done. The rumor is 4K. When people read that, they're thinking native 4K. It's an Xbox One X. Absolutely no chance. The Tegra chip in the Switch cannot do that it would blow up and you and burn you if it was trying to do that what i think it will be is the xbox one s s has a 4k logo on the box because it will basically it has a 4k uh, blu-ray player in it but it will upscale the game for you rather than your tv doing it to 4k therefore they can say hey look it's a 4k machine i think that's what we're getting we're getting a 4k output not native 4k and if, if we're talking 4K output and you're keeping the form factor of the Switch, like the, the dock is going to have to have the things in it to output in 4K somehow, I yeah, feel. Well, I think it will be able to do it. I'm not sure of the restriction of USB-C and moving it across. I think it should be fine. Uh, it's just going to be a, the game is still 900p or 1080p or whatever it is. But then it upscales it rather than your TV upscaling it. So it sends your TV a 4K signal. And maybe we occasionally get a 1440p indie game like the PS4 Pro. So possible. Uh, (laughs) The funny thing is like Sony and Microsoft are like starting to tout 8K. Nintendo's like, oh, oh, damn, guys, we got to get on 4K. (laughs) They're they're moving up. We got to move up like substantially less, but still move up increment they've made it so clear they're not in that market they're not in the race uh i they only got to hd in 2012 so <laughs> you know that's what you can but I, I do think they need to move on they can't uh as much as their games still look great at the moment they look great in a 4k tv just as is from the switch but you get stuff like the witcher 3 is pretty shoddy on switch and it's kind of more of a marketing tactic to be like hey look we got it running on switch 
as opposed to a great experience. Yeah. Uh, if Nintendo still wants those third-party games, they probably need to offer some level of you can get it running even if poorly, which is not going to happen once the new consoles are out. So they need to do something. And it's one, it's one thing for like Microsoft to be like, we're going to put Halo Infinite on Xbox One S and Series X and PC. And like what like the lowest common denominator is something that can run 1440p natively. Whereas like if you're a third-party developer making a game that has to also go on Switch and like a PS5, like the lowest yeah. common denominator is 720p. Like that's, that's a hard task, I reckon. To have well, to a lot of Switch games don't get to 720p. Well, yeah, that was me being nice, uh, but yeah. <laughs> uh, Even the ones that are like purpose-built for Switch, like Deadly Premonition 2 is just like a garbage, like frame yeah. rate fire. So I, I, you don't envy someone having to develop for a Switch, even though like it's, it's a great little no. tool. And if it's something like simple and fun and, and portable, like there is a place for it, but like, yeah. I think this is the so like when they launched the Game Boy Color, they they had exclusive games that only worked on it, but most of the games at the time were pretty much backwards compatible with the original Game Boy, and it all rolled in together, and that was a great use of an upgrade. And since then, it's been kind of like a I don't know if you want it, here's a slightly better one, but it's pretty much the same. I think now is their time to be like, this is considerably better. You can play all your old Switch games, but a majority of new games will still run on the old system. Because you're always going to have those more casual players who have bought one in COVID and they want to play Mario. Fine, make that compatible across everything. But if you're going to have some much higher level, you know, taxing game that will only work on Switch Pro, I think that's fine. Yeah. Uh, Xbox are not doing that. PlayStation don't even do that with the PS4 Pro. But I think Nintendo can get away with that if they need to. Yeah, like it's, I think that the combination of the Switch and what it can do is is unique and it's very Nintendo. So I, I, yeah, I, I agree. The only thing um, we haven't mentioned on that is you're buying an Xbox Series X, you're buying a PS5 Pro, and next March you've got to buy a new Switch. It is a pricey time. Yeah. Well, yeah. Pick yeah. accordingly. Um, there's arguments to be made for not buying most of these consoles <laughs> at launch. Mm. So work within your budget. Um, yeah. Last piece of news? The last piece is... If you're in the US, you can pre-order your PS5 pre-order. <laughs> a good segue. <laughs> That's <laughs> what. <laughs> so we don't have a release date. We do not have a price, but Sony would like you to pre-order the fact that you would like to pre-order. Oh. Sony America would like you to do that. Sony Australia yes. says in no uh, uncertain terms, we don't have that. It, don't do it. So that's cool. No, and I, I, think, I think it's going to be hard to get a PS5 at launch but it's going to be much easier here than in the US. If you go down to EB Games or JB Hi-Fi and you put down a pre-order at any point before it launches, you will get one. I think in the US, it's going to be much harder to get one and that's why they're doing this. So, but that's, I, I honestly hand, hope that by the time this podcast goes out, Ben, we have a price for both these consoles. Like I really hope, like it's going to have to happen soon. Someone has to go. Having said that, talking about things we saw randomly on the internet, someone reminded me that the Switch price and release date was announced 50 days before it came out. So we're still not there for these consoles. But yeah, I think these, that was like 450 bucks. This is going to be more like 850 and it's just before Christmas. They need to tell people what to expect. Like if you legitimately want both, I would, I would go and pre-order a PS5 and I would go to Telstra and register interest for the Xbox Series X all access thing where you're paying monthly. And then you're like sort of offsetting your cost. 
unless you have enough money to buy both regardless of price and just like whatever, drop some cash to make it rain, whatever, but, or wait. And it's like, I just don't, I don't know. It's I, this is such a weird time with COVID like on top of everything else. Like I don't know what to expect or tell people anymore. We'll have to wait until tomorrow. I think a lot of people will give it a miss. I personally think, and maybe I'll write something about this at some point. It's an exciting time to get a new console. As much as these are the flattest console launches ever, mm. there's something to be said about the fact that society is so grim at the moment. You normally have a holiday or you have something, a concert or a sport event or something that you're going to go to on the horizon. There's nothing for ever. There is nothing on the horizon for anyone that you can legitimately look forward to. This is the thing on my calendar. It is Hey, look, a new console. That's well, you know, I finally going to use my 4K TV. Well, as much as the Xbox One X does pretty well, it's not 4K in a lot of games. It's not 60 frames in a lot of games. So, to play the games I already own stronger on that TV, that's exciting. And with control, like with ray tracing, exactly. Ah. Well, obviously, I can't play Control because I need to buy it again. Uh, <laughs> but anything I will else? buy it for you. I want you to experience <laughs> the ray tracing control. I think there's still something to be said about the the time it's launching in. These probably have the flattest launch lineups ever. They probably have the least noticeable from a marketing point of view. Normally, they can just say, "Look how pretty this looks," but games already look great. Yeah. But there's something to be said about the time it's launching in, and new hardware is always exciting. That. It is worthwhile getting one of these. Maybe not both. Normally, yeah, people one. into it as us would say, I'm going to get both as we did for the last console launch. Maybe this is the one where you think, I'm just going to get the one which I have. To be honest, you should get the one that you have the most current gen games on because that's mostly what you're going to be playing. Yeah, unless you don't have a lot of games and then like that's where Game Pass actually does mm. come in and, and provides a benefit. But if like if if you have trophies and you want to keep your trophy count going and like you want to play like a, a lot of these not a lot of these these consoles have games that are third party that are like really going to bolster the 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 library for a good long time like valhalla is going to look the assassin's creed valhalla is going to look the same on both yeah. um so is watchdogs legion so it's like i'm just thinking of ubisoft games but you know what i mean like ubisoft saving this console launch <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of vibe. They've got two big games as opposed to everyone else with one or none. Oh, yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe when we have pricing coming out soon, we'll have a difference of opinion and we can talk about That's it next true. time, Ben. I look forward to that on our next episode, whenever it may be. It could even be in a week. We might have to follow up well, Gamescom news if, if there's big news. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just I want to break, Ben. It. I'm so tired. Okay. You go have a nap. <laughs> How do I'm we find go. you on the internet? Well, uh, I am Ben underscore Salter on Twitter. When I can access Twitter, I'm not trying to fly on low res on my plane. That's what I'm going to go do. I'm going to go try and fly somewhere. I don't know if I'll make it. Uh, how but, do we find you? Um, I'm sitting on the Melbourne monolith in Faulkner, which is northeast of the Essendon airport, or really the Telemarine airport. Um, that's right, AU. I'm, I don't know. Blech. All right, I'll end us here then. Fantastic episode. We need to be more brightly than that. We'll see you next time.